You're listening to Soundwise Podcast, a show hosted by Alex in Serbia and Vlada in Poland. Each week we cover a different artist or band and engage in open, spontaneous debates and discussions about specific parts of their discographies. Our goal is to expand their musical horizons and cover a great range of genres and styles. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash soundwisepod and on social media at soundwisepod. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Soundrise Podcast. Hello Alex, how are you doing? Hello Vlada, good afternoon to you. I'm doing really good, hope you're doing well as, as well. Um, I'm excited about this episode because it's special in a way, because the last episode was our Patreon episode and today we're doing a similar thing. Can you kind of introduce our listeners to this idea Vlada? Yes, so Alex and I decided to revisit some of our Patreon's suggestions uh, because there were very cool suggestions that didn't win in our monthly poll. So we decided to uh, make sure that all our patrons know that we think about them and that their suggestions are important to us. And another thing is that their suggestions are really cool, even the losing ones. And this one in particular is awesome. And... Uh, today's band was suggested originally by our dear patron and collaborator, David. So, David, thank you so much for this suggestion. This is a phenomenal act. And, Alex, will you tell us something about which band we're talking about today? Of course, Vlada. Uh, you know, even though this um, this idea didn't win in the Paul, it doesn't take away anything from it. Uh, David is a great music aficionado. He has a, a radio station, an internet radio station. So guys, newenglandradio.net, check check him out. He has podcasts and original music. I highly recommend listening to, to his station. So the band for today is called Cold Blood. Now, when I, when I first heard that name, I hadn't known about it before. But when I heard about it, I thought that it was like a rock slash metal band. Uh, but in fact, oh, really? it's <laughs> That's yeah, like cold, yeah, cold actually, blood didn't really. Sorry to interrupt you, but actually, while yeah. I was listening to these records on Deezer, there was another band by the same name, and mm-hmm. it was actually a, a new metal band called Cold Blood. So you weren't like too far off in your assumptions, but it's still a bit funny. Yeah, it's it's funny. I just wonder how they got this name. But uh, all right, Cold Blood. It's actually uh, an R&B horn funk band, dear listeners. This is really interesting. Um, it's a band that was formed in 1969 in San Francisco, in Oakland, California. Um, you may know that Vlada is a big bandwagoner of Golden State Warriors. So there's a nice connection here. I would say. Sorry, but I'm also <laughs> a huge sucker for late 60s, mid 60s San Francisco Bay Area bands. Yeah. You know, Grateful Dead, Quicksilver, Messenger Service, Jefferson Airplane, awesome bands there. And this Some of them covered on our show, by the way. Oh, yeah, of course. So check out some of the previous episodes. But I, I won't interrupt you anymore. Please continue. No worries, mate. All right, so... 
As I said, formed in 1969 in California, it was formed by guitarist Larry Fielder, the guitarist, the original lead guitarist of this band. And it's interesting because this band is really known for their vocalist Lydia Pence. And sometimes the name of the band is, actually the band is referred to as Lydia Pence and Cold Blood because of her huge uh, stature in this band, so to say. The band first came to prominence in 1969 when the rock impresario Bill Graham signed them after an, after an audition. What's interesting about this is that, first of all, Lydia Pence has been many times compared to Janis Joplin. And Janis Joplin was the one who recommended this audition to Bill Graham. That's really interesting. Interesting, sorry. Um, this band is, given their uh, geographical position, it is associated with the East Bay Greece term. That's a term that describes the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, San Francisco Bay Area's horn sound, horn, a horn f funk sound. And uh, some of the other bands from that scene are Tower of Power, Chicago and some other bands. Yeah, awesome acts, right? Really amazing right, that's, acts. That's, that's a good scene to discover, definitely. Um, this band disbanded in the late 70s, and that's why uh, uh, that's because Lydia Pence suspended her music career in the early 80s because she wanted to raise her daughter, Danielle. Uh, but fortunately, this band came back to the scene in the late 80s and early 90s. And still, nowadays, they're active, they're touring, releasing albums. Uh, they've gone to, uh, through a lot of lineup changes. And interestingly enough, well, it's not really a surprise, but some of the Tower of Power band members also regularly play with Cold Blood. So uh, they've released a lot of records. As you know, guys, we're, we only... Uh, we only discover and talk about three bands of, of uh, three albums, that is. And we're now going to start with the self-titled album called Cold Blood, which was released in 1969. So a great year. Vlada, I want to hear your thoughts first. All right. So first of all, I have to say that um, this band is somewhat overlooked, in my opinion. I first heard about them a couple of years ago when I visited my dear friend and a huge music aficionado and one of the biggest record collectors in, in Serbia, uh, Vlada Milanovic from Jagodina. And he played some of this stuff to me. And, and I remember he told me how this band was criminally overlooked, mainly because the lead singer was often seen as a copy of Janis Joplin, which I think really does her a huge disservice. And we will talk more about that, of course, as we go along. Um, but first of all, I have to say that when I first heard this band, I was really amazed at how well everything sounded, how powerful the lead vocals were, how, how tight the band was. And now, uh, revisiting this music, I got, of course, the very same impression. And especially this debut record, I think, is a great statement. 
It's mostly covers here, so not a lot of original stuff. Another reason why I think this band was probably overlooked, that they weren't really big on writing their own songs. On, on the subsequent records, that they have their own material, but it's not as strong as some of the covers. But here, uh, as a record of covers, this works perfectly well. Um, very strong from the get-go. Only seven cuts, which I think is a good thing because um, each cut takes some space for the players to show off their chops, their instrumental prowess. Um, the, the record starts auspiciously with I wish I knew how it would feel to be free, a great civil rights anthem that many people know and associate uh, with Nina Simone another amazing singer that I hope we will cover in one of the future episodes. But this is also a great version, uh, a great song to showcase Lydia's uh, vocals. And what I really loved was the rhythm section. I thought the bass player was just out of this world. Alexander is a fellow bass player. What did you think about bass playing on this record overall? Not just on this record, but the the bass playing is absolutely the highlight of this band. Absolutely a strength. So I was thoroughly impressed with it. But uh, I just can't take any way. I just think I just can't take anything away from the rest of the band. Instrumentally speaking, they're just so well, just so well played. But yeah, the rhythm section is is definitely really really good, brother. You know what I really like about this first record is that while uh, everything sounds so professional, there's still a lot of grit to it. You know, it's like a real gritty, nitty, uh, funk, uh, blues, R&B band there. And uh, it's just phenomenal, especially, for example, uh, the cover of uh, Muddy Waters, I Just Wanna Make Love To You. Actually, I'm not sure if Muddy recorded it first, but if you recall our Muddy episode, uh, that was one of Muddy's highlights. And here there's a really great version as well. Um, I love the way the guitar comes in. And you know, I'm so impressed with guitar players on these three records. And uh, you know, another thing that I wanted to, st to say is how uh, often when we talk about 60s music, there are all these well-known names, guitar heroes, but I feel that a lot of the best guitar players are rarely spoken about, and some of them are kind of just buried in all these, uh, not, perhaps not obscure records, but still, uh, it seems like a lot of this playing, a lot of these musicians are somewhat overlooked, and I feel that it's a huge injustice. So let me just check out who the who the guitar player is on this one. So uh, you mentioned, I think, somebody in your intro, but I did not remember. Yeah, Larry, oh, Larry Field, Field, the founder yes. of the of the band. Larry Field, so absolutely stunning beautiful guitar playing um, the horn section nothing to add there i think you mentioned really really powerful so it's, right it's kind of sad that when you look at the personnel list on wikipedia nobody has their own page except lydia pence that's sad yeah and that, that's the thing so of course as I, as I mentioned it might be due to the fact that there wasn't a lot of original material, but I also think um, 
that it's rare that you hear such a well-oiled machine of a band, you know. And, and it's not just that, because, you know, the, sometimes bands just sound too perfect for their own good. But in this case, I think there's a certain grit to it and uh, definitely a great debut record. So, um, Alexander, anything to add here? There's a, there's a very interesting fact here, and even mind-blowing, I would say. I didn't know that this album was full of covers, but after listening to it, my main impression was that they sound like a good cover band. And uh, I could recognize some of the songs, like I Just Want to Make Love to You. I, I could recognize that it's a Muddy Waters song. Uh, the rest of the songs, I'm not really familiar with them. Uh, but the whole band kind of sounded that way, I would say. I wasn't as impressed as you were, Vlada. First, because, uh, first because they sounded like, as I said, a cover band, maybe like a James Brown cover band in some ways. Um, I can't complain about the instrumental thing, the, the instrumental part of the band. I think they're really, really good at playing their instruments and creating the atmosphere and creating the groove, which is really important in, in funk music, as we all know. Uh, the horns the horns are just so dominant here. If you guys are into horns as instru instruments, this is definitely a band you should uh, listen to. I have to say one thing, and I'm kind of afraid because if I say it, I think our listeners will be very angry. Some of our listeners won't like this, Vlada. Should I say it? Of course, we've already heard enough travesties of you, so we're kind of numb at this point so go ahead okay that's the saving grace here okay so i thought that this album would be better off without lydia's vocals and some Just stop how would it be better off without her vocals what because uh, this is okay i'm not going i'm now gonna shield myself with this argument this is purely subjective because as good as she is as a vocalist, as dominant as her singing is, I just don't like it. In, in this, uh, with this particular record, I'm not talking about the band as a whole. In this record, I just didn't, I, I just wasn't into her singing. And whenever they started, you know, these instrumental loops and improvisation and solos and stuff, I could thoroughly enjoy those parts. But apart, apart from that, her singing, I don't know, sounded like a copy, you know, sounded like she was trying to imitate someone, which is Janis Joplin, as we know. I don't um, know. I mean, she does sound a lot like Janis, but I don't think it was necessarily out of the desire to imitate her. I think it was just because they both had that strong, soulful, kind of raspy voice. I think a lot of it is a coincidence. I, I honestly think that Lydia has a sound of her own, it's just so reminiscent of Janice that some people might think of it that way. And, you know, she, it's her vocals that dominate the record. And I also feel like she's not really a carbon copy of Janice Joplin's. I think that they sound a lot alike, mostly because they have a similar kind of vocal style that is very raspy and powerful. And I feel like if you listen to it a bit longer you get the idea that Lydia has her own style which is very distinctive and very impressive at that I don't think I've heard a lot of 
vocalist with that kind of range and, and that kind of um, formidable strength. So I, I would definitely say that I disagree with you 100%. And I do love the rest of the band. Of course, the, uh, the instrumental breaks are, as you mentioned, fantastic. I need to point out how much I love organ on these records, especially on this first record. The organ and the guitar work in such a perfect unison. But dear listeners, please don't listen to Alexander. Yes, she's, she does sound a lot like Janice. But I like think a she, copy, like a clear copy. She does deserve her own uh, fame. And uh, uh, to cite my friend who I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, he told me that it's a pity that people kind of dismiss them because while she does sound a lot like Janice, she's certainly one of the best vocalists of her era. And I, I definitely agree. And another thing is that definitely the covers on this record, while immaculately performed, do take away from this band a bit, in a sense, because at the time there were a lot of bands playing their own music. So if you didn't have your own stuff, it was very difficult for you to compete. However, a lot of bands, including Grateful Dead, had debut records that were filled with covers, and at the time it was pretty normal. It was almost like an art of sorts that got lost in the process, you know, the art of being a cover band. And uh, I think for for my money's worth, this was an excellent 60s cover band that did offer uh, very cool in interpretations of well-known tracks. So uh, we will see later on that the band moves on from being just a mere cover band. But here on this record, uh, it really works. I think the Stones themselves had a record that was filled with covers at the beginning. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it does take something away. To justify my statements and my opinions, here's a song from this album that kind of captures everything that I'm talking about. Watch Your Step. Okay, this track has a great simultaneous guitar and bass riffs. Really, really good. Great instrumental work and a nice groove, as we know. But Lydia just sounds like James Brown. I don't know. She just sounds like some of the of the records that we covered um, a few weeks back on but our Alexander, show. Listen, this is R&B and soul music. And there are certain tropes, you know. That's the thing. Sometimes people don't like these genres because they may seem too repetitive. Because there are certain tropes, and uh, very often singers sound alike, players sound alike, because they follow a certain uh, pattern. And you know, I and, get it. Yeah, so it's it's like blues, you know, like a lot of blues men sound alike. That's simply how it is. But there is something unique about her performance. There is something unique about this band in general. I feel, especially on this record. Uh, so I, I just feel like I'm with you to an extent. I do feel like that some of it is not very original, but the, the performances themselves are very compelling, and that's why I think it's worth a visit. It's worth if you're a, if you're a soul fan, if you're an R&B fan, visit these records. Take a listen. You know, you might be pleasantly surprised. Fair enough, Lada. I mean. 
my last verdict here is that maybe, just maybe, I wasn't too impressed with this because we recently did a James Brown episode. It, it, it some, uh, in some moments, it felt like we were doing a back-to-back James Brown episode. Uh, but, you know, that's that's maybe just a temporary thing. I think this was quite different from James Brown. I think, while, yeah, of course, you had horns and all that stuff, but James Brown had, a, I feel, a, a much more original approach to R&B and funk. Totally agree. That's something where I can agree with you, Vlada, finally. <laughs> all right. All right. So oh. before we move on to our ratings, we would like to... Uh, share a few words about our special new sponsor. Brown Dog Promos is a champ in the promotional products industry, having shipped all over the world since 1989. For over 30 years, Brown Dog Promos has supplied custom printed promotional items like mugs, pens, calendars, embroidered or screen printed clothing, and anything else you could possibly need to companies and groups of all sizes. They also pride themselves on working with nonprofits to raise funds and recognize key donors and volunteers. For commercial clients, Brown Dog Promos offers invaluable advertising and marketing guidance based on their three decades in the business. Whether you're looking to promote your company, nonprofit organization, or any variety of branding and marketing, Brown Dog Promos can make it happen. For all of your custom-printed sportswear, decals, labels, and corporate gifts, be sure to check out Brown Dog Promos by following them on Instagram under their handle browndogpromos, liking their page at facebook.com slash browndogpromos, or visiting their website, browndogpromos.com. Trust the top dogs, Tony and Matthew, to help you make your branding outstanding. So, uh, Alexander, what do you think? What rating would you give to this record? Okay, so dear listeners, after hearing some of my comments and some of my impressions, you can kind of guess that I'm not going to give it a super high rating. I think this album is a 7 out of 10. I think they are good cover band, great instrumentation, and great atmosphere. Not a fan of the singing. It's purely subjective, so please don't don't be so harsh on me after this episode. And my highlight track here is... Hmm, I'll go with Watch Your Step. All right, so to be fair... Kind of agree with your rating, you know. Uh, while I don't think I'm as critical of the record as you are, I can't really find many flaws with the music itself. I just feel that it's not the most original piece of work, but it's very exciting to listen to it because of the great vocals, because of the great uh, instrumentation, arrangements, beautiful sound. You know, I love the way it was produced. I love the sound of the bass and drums. And maybe I'll give it 7.5. I'll just up it a bit. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it an 8, mainly because of the reasons I stated. I feel like 8 should be reserved for bands and music that's more original and more adventurous. So that's the only thing that would stop me from giving it an 8. All right, Mada, good. So let's move on to the next record from 1972. It's called First Taste of Sin. Um, another, another name that kind of sounds like a rock or a metal band or something <laughs> for some reason. Uh, but, but let me hear your thoughts first. All right, so here, this is their third record. I think we skipped one. 
Um, I'm actually really looking forward to listening to that one that we skipped. It might be a great record for all we know. So here the band kind of continues in the same vein, but now they actually do their own stuff too. But the problem, I think, with their own stuff is that it's not really distinguishable from the covers. So uh, it's really good, but it's not the the best example of songwriting. It's just basically following the usual tropes. So I wasn't more impressed by this record compared to the debut. I actually think that, for better or worse, the debut record was slightly better than this. But they pretty much continue in the same style and if you like this kind of music it's a great record to listen to uh, again uh, I really liked and that that's the irony the best track for me here was Lo and Behold which is a James Taylor cover and this is a great track of James Taylor's and I really enjoy this arrangement because originally it's just done in this typical folky style with an acoustic arrangement, that sweet James Taylor voice. But here, uh, it's it's done in this full R&B arrangement with the organ, with a very tight rhythm section. And uh, I love how the band ups the intensity when they go into the chorus there. So our I'm really happy to have heard this rendition. I think it really adds to the original song. So uh, they are obviously a great cover band and there's nothing wrong about it in this show. So if you heard this song before, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners have, take a listen to this version and let us know what you think about it. Is this a great James Taylor cover? Or maybe it's not up your alley for one reason or another. Uh, but Alexander, what are your thoughts? Do you think that having more original songs here changed the band for the better? Yeah, Vlad, actually, I thought that this album was um, a slight improvement over the previous one. Um, just because it has more depth. It has more originality. I like the fact that now they had some different lyrics. Obviously, they're all lyrics. Um, I think instrumentally speaking... They're still really good, but this this album definitely sounds slightly different. Overall, not a huge improvement, I would say, and not something that would blow my mind necessarily. Some of the songs sounded really good. Um, I loved the end of the song Lo and Behold, where you have this riff that starts to kind of continue. It continues to the next song. It continues to the song called Down to the Bone has a really, really nice riff that kind of leads the listener into the, the next track. And uh, I love the part with the percussion in this song, Down to the Bone. But the rest of the record, hmm, I'm not too sure, man. I'm not too sure because some of the songs are kind of forgettable. I can praise the final track, Valdez in the Country. Great instrumental work there. The rest of the songs but that's also a cover you see it seems like all the highlights are covers okay down to the bone was their own track and a really good one at that but the rest that you mentioned i think uh yeah you mentioned this one that's a cover yeah valdez in the country it's it's a good but as you said it's a cover so <laughs> there you go we, we we just cannot ignore the fact that they are a, a good cover band um you know 
when it comes to the other tracks great cover band sorry but this is a great cover band like if you heard this band somewhere out in a bar or somewhere, you would be so blown away you would be talking about it for weeks you know that's the thing i i honestly feel while listening to this music that this would be a phenomenal show if you caught this band somewhere they just sound so good like the instruments the chemistry the the vocals uh, Everything is so alive. You almost feel like you're in the room with the band. That's a fair point. And I think that's probably the reason why they still tour nowadays. Like 50 plus years, they're still active in a somewhat different lineup. But, uh, you know, they are still alive, so to say. Uh, I just wanted to finally say regarding the, the rest of the tracks. You had to know a cheesy ballad. Um, All My Money was a good fast-paced kind of rhythmic song but that's it that's it in my opinion i can praise the originality that that touch of their own work it's good but it, it's kind of it's kind of disappointing that we are still praising their covers so uh, this band needs a slightly different approach so to see probably Probably a, an approach that is different to mine at this moment, Vlada. So that's my final verdict here. I just feel that I don't want to take that against the band because um, what I like about the 60s is that it was uh, all about the music and sometimes the musicians wouldn't really care about uh, their own egos so much. Of course, I'm not talking about these grand acts with egomaniacs you know, the, I don't want to mention names, but I'm talking about the acts like this one. A lot of these bands were more about music, about playing music, enjoying it, having that uh, interaction with the crowds. So I don't want to take the lack of uh, impressive songwriting against this band because a lot of this original material is fine. It's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong about it, even though I have to say I, I feel like the first record, which was mostly, I guess, all covers, right, did seem more memorable to me. But that might be just me, you know, because you said that this was a slight improvement, so we definitely have different takes on that one. But then again, all, I, all I'm trying to say is, I guess, that uh, this band deserves attention, despite the fact that they may not have impressive songwriting. Okay, that's a good point. I can... I can partially agree with you, Vlada. All right, so let's get to our ratings and our standout tracks. So my rating here is uh, kind of uh, kind of similar to uh, the rating of the previous record. I'm kind of between seven and seven point five, but since I said it, it's a it's a slight improvement. Um, I'll say seven point five, and my standout track here is I'll go with the original one, Down to the Bone. All right, that's a great track, I agree. Uh, I will give it, um, I think it's slightly worse than the previous record, but I'll still give it 7.5. I think, um, as for the highlight, hmm, I think Low and Behold for me, as I previously stated. Even though I really loved Down to the Bone, I also liked um, Donny Hathaway covers, Valdez in the Country, and You Had to Know. Uh, I think... Um, Donny Hathaway perhaps should be on the list of the artists that we want to talk about in the future. A very interesting soul singer, 
a legendary soul singer for some, and here uh, Lydia and the band deliver great versions. Uh, again, I'm really glad that we covered this band, and this is definitely a very enjoyable record to listen to. So, uh, with that being said, I think we should now move on a bit up in years to 1974, and another interesting album called Simply Lydia, and she's on the cover. Of the, Let's uh, say it, it's it's a self-titled record, so to yeah. say. You can see her eyes on the cover, a bit of a diva kind of cover. And I think Lydia definitely deserved to be considered a music diva with, with that kind of vocal prowess, with that kind of um, presence that she had. And now this record, I also feel, is a bit of a departure from the previous ones. This one was produced by none other than Steve Cropper, the legendary soul and R&B guitar player from the Booker and the MGs. So uh, that itself sounds promising, but the sound of this record is somewhat different. Wouldn't you agree, Alex? I would agree, and I have to say now that this is the this is actually the album that I thoroughly enjoyed. I actually enjoyed listening to this album. Um, I thought, first of all, that instrumentally speaking, we know that they're good, but I feel that this, this album was on another level, I have to say. I don't know if it's up to the producing qualities or something, but it definitely sounded better to me. I thought the riffs were catchier and just just suited my, my taste better. Um, I have plenty of songs here to, to highlight and, uh, you know, plenty of positives. However, towards the end of the album, I kind of got lost. I have to say, I don't know why. Maybe it was due to my mood or something. I had the exact same impression. I think that uh, my theory is that the, the songs, the material sounds too alike. And, you know, again, because of the aforementioned R&B tropes, you know, there's only so much you can take at once. So sometimes you feel like you're listening to the same tracks over and over again. But on the upside, I think it's a very immaculately produced record. I really love the sound here. The bass is so well pronounced. So Uh, fat, so groovy. Oh my God, the horns here just out of this world, especially on tracks like Under Pressure. I love those little soul uh, horn riffs. Just amazing. You can tell that this was produced by Steve Cropper. Now, the downside is that perhaps this one sounds a bit too slick. You know, I mentioned how the previous records were more gritty, like you had that great presence, musical instrumental presence, but their arrangements were grittier. And this one sounds more mid 70s very slick very kind almost kind of yacht rock sort of thing but still i don't think it's a big minus i still admire the band here so much again the guitars i think it's a different guitar player here but whoever it is i was blown away by uh, by his playing so professional so um the, the notes were so carefully placed, the solos, the licks, uh, the organ playing as well. 
So, again, the biggest downside is what you mentioned, that the songs kind of peter out near the end. Yeah, probably because they, they just sound too alike. And you kind of hear, you know, in the first four or five tracks, you hear basically the whole record and towards the the rest of the record, it, it's kind of, you know, it, it's kind of the same. It's kind of a repetition. But I have to agree about this track, Under Pressure. First of all, I really like the political lyrics there. That's the first thing. Um, and the second thing is that the riff, the main riff here, reminds me of Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Did you have the same impression, Vlada? To be fair, I didn't really think about it, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think I would need to give it another listen. It didn't remind me of something. It had that kind of punch, you know. It had a very, you know, it like just punches you in the gut, that uh, riff, uh, horn riff. But other than that, I didn't really associate it with that track. But I can see your point, though. Uh, I'll I'll listen to it again and then let you know if if that's the. It's feeling kind of a, it's kind of the same period, you know. Superstition was from 1972 and this was from 1974. So I guess they were just influenced by that music at that time, right? I mean, a lot of as as I said, there's a lot of tropes in this kind of music, and it's very difficult to be unique and original. Stevie, for his money, was very original i think he took that sound to another level to another stratosphere but rare are such artists and uh, i don't think cold blood is one of them i think that what they did was just uh, a perfect uh, execution of r&b soul and funk music and her vocals are just something to behold i think that she deserved more fame uh, solely for her singing and uh, she definitely deserves to be considered a diva of uh, this kind of music there you go all right so i don't have anything else to add here um really good in instrumental work uh, other other songs as well like ready to live it's a very sexy and funky song consideration is a has, has a great catchy riff but um, that's kind of it towards the end as we said multiple times you just you just lose your focus but um overall it, it's a very good record and shall we now do the ratings Vlada? yes but i also want to mention because I, I i talked about the guitar player here and i researched it a bit while you were talking it's paul cannon and his credits are really impressive he played on the records by the likes of john prine jerry lee lewis uh let me see, Eddie Floyd, another great soul singer, even Alex Chilton from Big Star, he even played on one of his records, uh, so a really, a, a really great instrumentalist, and I think it's really important for us to mention these unsung guitar heroes, because, you know, not everyone is Jimmy Page, and there were so many other guitar players that excelled, maybe even on the same level, but their playing was more subtle. They were session men. They didn't have their own band, you know. So uh, let's give some credit to such players. Paul Cannon is definitely one of them. So uh, now about the ratings, I think I would give this one seven. So slightly worse maybe than the previous two records, solely because... 
I felt that it was too slick for its own good. But other than that, I don't really have much to complain about. Lydia is in top form, perhaps even sounding more confident than on the previous records. And the highlight track for me is um, Under Pressure. Okay, Vlad, um, fair enough. Um, I'm going to give a higher rating. So, dear fans, dear Cold Blood fans, I'm now going to save the day here and kind of cover myself up for all the stuff that I said previously. Um, my rating is actually 8. 8 out of 10, I think this uh, album just gave something, gave me something to enjoy. I think the riffs were much better, uh, catchier, definitely, you know, something that, that I'm going to go back to really soon. Why I wouldn't give it a higher rating than 8 is because of that repetitiveness that you can hear towards the end of the record. So 8 out of 10 and the highlight track here is the same, Under Pressure. And guys, please let me know if you also felt that this record, uh, not this record, sorry, this song had a riff that reminded you of Stevie Wonder's Superstition the mega hit that we all know especially if you're a fan of this kind of music so Vlada we are now approaching the end of the episode what's your final verdict on this let's say Patreon episode in a way uh, my final verdict is that David's music taste is awesome and thank you David for recommending this artist um I think that this is a kind of band that if you're into 60s music, if you're into the likes of Janis Joplin or Aretha Franklin or, you know, soul and R&B music in general, you really need to check this out. And, you know, perhaps you will love it even more than we do because there's much to love here. Uh, the, these musicians are simply out of the world, out of this world, that is uh, just nothing to... To add to that, I think that the only problem with these records is that they may not sound very original. It's not anything revolutionary, but it doesn't have to be for you to enjoy it. So check it out. If you love Janice, I think you will love this too. Okay, Vlada, good words there. I'm kind of agreeing with you. It's not a revolutionary act. It's, it's not something extraordinary, but it's definitely worth listening to. So, guys, I recommend listening to this to this band. I'll probably give them another chance, especially with the third record that we talked about today. But other than that, yeah. So, before we go, we just want to give another shout-out to our friends Tony and Matthew at Brown Dog Promos. Uh, you can contact them on their website, browndogpromos.com. Or their social media accounts, facebook.com slash browndogpromos or on Instagram at browndogpromos. Yes, guys, if you need any customized pens, lighters, t-shirt or any of that sort, Tony and Matthew at Brown Dog Promos are your guys. Don't forget to check out our social media accounts at SoundRisePod. And also, if you want to become a patron and also suggest your own bands, you can become a member of our Patreon community. Patreon.com slash SoundRisePod. You can choose your tier and see all the benefits that go with each tier. All the best. Write a review and then you can share it. With the world. 
in any social media platform. And then your friends see it and you can share and discover new shows together. This is Steph, instigator of Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. And I'm Andy from Inspired Money. And I'm Arielle of Earbuds Podcast Collective and Castbox. We're here to tell you everything you need to know about Pod Rev Day, which is on the eighth of every month of every year of every century of every you get it. We are posting podcast reviews as part of hashtag Pod Rev Day Podcast Review Day because podcasters work their butts off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives, and you can do that through reviews. Even one star feels surprisingly <laughs> good. Does it? It lets you know that people are at least listening. Don't be a passive podcast listener. Write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode. And to participate, you just need to do one review. And we'll see you every eighth of the month. Pod Rev Day. Because podcasters deserve to hear it. Hashtag Pod Rev Day. P-O-D-R-E-V-D-A-Y.